Welcome back to the Rhonda Swan Show. Well, today I'm so excited because I have another unbelievable guest right here in my studio in Bali. Now, this is a really special one because he's my neighbor and I've been so inspired since the day that I've met this guy. First, I'm like, who is this California surfer kind of dude hanging out over here? And then I get to meet this guy. His name is Bobby Priest. He's actually the founder of the book series, The Voices of the Moon, Little Bobby's Voices of the Moon. And we're gonna talk about this book series, but what I was so enamored by and why I wanted to bring Bobby on to the show is because he's got a back of you know history of not only being in finance, writing columns for finance magazines, being in corporate, you know, the, the uh, president of the MBA Association of his university and found himself wanting something different. His parents, he lost his parents. He dove deeply into music and his artistic ability just to really find himself. And here now he's in Bali, Indonesia, living his ultimate perfect day every day. And he's the founder and the creator of this amazing book series that's not only connected to the most beautiful stories, but also to music. So without any further ado, Bobby Priest. Thank you for having me, Rona. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> Yep, I really appreciate you having me here. I know, it's and, so cool. Uh, I get all choked up when you start talking about the past and yeah. all this kind of stuff and what got me here and, and all that. So it's it's pretty special. Can we talk about that? Are you open to sharing? Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, it's like, part of the life story. Yeah. Um, the long story short is that I just got uh, tired of corporate America and I wanted to, I realized, try not to get too emotional. Yeah. Uh, I realized there was more to life. And the first step was when I lost my father in 2003 and I went through a life change and really asked myself a simple question. What is it I want? What do I want to do with my yeah. life? And for those of you who have lost a parent, uh, most of us go through this, this change. And so the first time it happened when my father died, I, uh, the answer to the question was, well, I want to start some kind of, I want to travel to tropical places and make a living out of it. And so I had a successful financial business in Colorado, up in the mountains. I skied every day and I didn't work a whole lot. I worked enough to take care of my clients and, uh, and it was a great life, but you know what? It wasn't enough. It wasn't really what I wanted. Something was missing. So I sold my business, started an international real estate business, started traveling to Costa Rica, Turks and Caicos and turn it into a business. And then the real estate market crashed. And <laughs> three funny. years later, or so the real estate market crashed. So I was left with, okay, now what? And so um, not unlike you as an entrepreneur, I've always been you know, spirited as an entrepreneur. Mm. And so I started uh, just chasing my dreams as an entrepreneur. And during that point in time, it's hard to raise money. And it was a lot of work and I don't mind the work, but I was losing, again, losing my passion. It was yeah. chasing money, trying to get things started. So it became, uh, again, I was, something was missing. Then my mom passed away and in 2013, exactly 10 years, they were married for 57 years. She really lost her will to live, although she had seven kids uh, 17, uh, grandchildren, great grandchildren. It was for her. My father was her life. Yeah. Yeah. So she passed away. And again, I asked myself the same question. I said, you know what? 
no longer do I just want to travel travel to tropical places and make a business out of it. I just want to move to a tropical island and follow my passion, which is music. I've always been a hobby. You know, I've always played guitar uh, since I was a kid. My mother was very musical and artistic. And so I just wanted to do what I loved. I didn't know how I was going to do it. My friends thought I was crazy. <laughs> There's like, you can't just leave everything. And I said, yeah, I can. What are you going to do? And I said, I don't know. Where are you going to go? <laughs> and I was sitting in my hot tub with a friend of mine and she said, where, where are you going to go? And I said, I don't know. I said, uh, like Bali was always on the list because growing up as a California surfer, you always hear about Uluwatu. Yeah, right. And then Thailand was on the list, but there's no surf there. That wasn't critical for me, but it was kind of important. I, mm -hmm. I surfed since I was a kid and it is part of my life. And then uh, in Colorado, um, snowboarding. And then I, I was uh, another long story, but had a, a stint as a um, recently, actually, just before I left as a uh, professional demo skateboarder for a skateboarding company as a fun job. I've always done fun jobs in the mountains. I was a uh, started as the National Ski Patrol. So I've always supplemented my job with fun stuff but something was missing. Mm. So my mom died. I decided uh, to move to a tropical island. We sat there and she said, where do you want to go? And I said, I don't know where to go. I thought Bali, Thailand. And I had this beautiful motorcycle that I used to ride in the Colorado mountains. And uh, it was my pride and joy. And I thought, what about maybe South America traveling on a motorcycle? But that's a whole different trip. <laughs> that's stressful. Yeah, totally. You got a motorcycle to deal with. Yeah. It's dangerous. Yeah. Uh, not so much the motorcycle, but the environment that you're in in South America. So she said it's changed everything. She said, if you go to Bali and she'd come here on a retreat for yoga, she goes, you're never going to come home. I was like, <laughs> that's where I'm going. Yeah, right. To Bali. So I basically picked up my stuff within the next month after my mom died and rented out my house, put everything in the basement, rented my house out and moved to Bali. Came to Denpasar, um, to the airport, went to Kuda, the closest town, I didn't know where I was going. Went to Kuda, <laughs> found a hotel room, parked in a hotel room and just started to uh, try and figure it out. Ended up up in Ubud. And then I knew I wanted to write because I've always written more technical stuff, but I mm. love creative writing. I've always kept journals and I knew I wanted to do music, so I just, started playing music and writing. And I had this dream of writing a series of young adult novels. And so the, the goal was to teach kids. I was, I was fortunate when I was in high school to do the FSL foreign study league mm -hmm. and go to Europe. Yeah. And that changed my life as far as opens your eyes, you know, California kid, you think California is everything. Yeah. And then you go to Europe and it's like, that's a whole nother world. Yeah. And so that gave me the travel bug and, and that kind of thing. So I knew that I, um, I wanted to share that experience with kids because a lot of kids in the, in the U.S. are so sheltered. People in the U.S. generally don't travel a lot. Yeah, it's true. So I wanted to share with children what life is like in other countries. So my idea was to write a series of young adult novels. Rainy season, I would go to a country, learn about the culture, and then work that into the next book. And then each year do a different book into this woven into this clever story and teaching kids about culture in different places. And Bali is a natural to do that. And there's mm -hmm. so much to learn here and the culture is so beautiful. Mm -hmm. 
And so uh, I was about halfway through that book and I learned about self-publishing. And stupid me, I went, well, I just want to write something that I can do fast and self-publish it just to learn how self-publishing works for my young adult novels. So I go, I'll write a children's book. I thought that was going to be easy. <laughs> so, and so I wrote the first song and that turned into the book. So all my books, the lyrics of the song, I write them as songs. They're yeah. actually the words to the book. Yeah. Well, and they're lullabies. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's talk specifically about it. So, because I, I love this story. You've been now in Bali for 10 years, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, now you've got, you know, your own place, your own boutique hotel. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty magical, but yeah. your your passion is still music and writing and creativity. Absolutely. So, all right. So the the voice of the moon, how, how did you, why is it called the voice of the moon? Well, when I first started uh, the series of books, I, I think the title didn't come until later, but I wrote this book about happiness. So the and first that's, song, that's this first edition, that's the first edition, right? Yeah, that's the first one. So I wanted to teach kids that happiness is not about material things. Mm, happiness is about beautiful. what's on the inside, not what's on the outside. And so I wrote the song and when I write songs, I write them pretty fast. And so I wrote the song and then I realized it's not that easy. I need to illustrate the book. And I went, <laughs> what am I going to do now? So I started looking for illustrators. Found an illustrator and uh, through uh, another means, and then it just wasn't working for me. And so then I ended up, uh, I was like, who do I know that's an illustrator? And in high school, there was this amazing artist, Roy Gonzalez. And I was like, I wonder if Roy still is doing art. So I found him on Facebook, sent him a message, and that turned into a whole can of worms. He had an agent in Hollywood, and then the agent got wind of what I was doing. And then they said, this is an amazing concept write the books and we'll do kids shows and potentially animated feature film for kids. They heard the music, they love the concept, they love everything I was doing. And so I brought him here and that's how I actually ended up in Bingen. I brought him to Chenggu. I was living in Chenggu at the time and we were, he was illustrating the books. I was doing two other songs and writing the music. How fun. And then, and then I was, I said, you know, this isn't the creative, creative enough atmosphere. Uh, yeah. I know this place, it's called Bing and you'll love it. <laughs> Which is so, where we live. <laughs> so we packed up all of our stuff from Chonggu. We came down to Bing and we didn't even have a place. And I said, well, there's plenty of places there. So we walked along the beach and every place was booked out except this one place. And so, and they had, it was an eight bedroom hotel and the rooms were tiny and not very good, but it had a big table outside with a beautiful view. And I go, this is it, I'll rent two rooms. So I rented these two rooms for months working on the books. And then uh, the owner of the land came to me and said, do you want to live here? And I was like, well, we kind of do live here. And he said, no, come look with me. And there were these stairs that went up to nothing. And he goes, you can build a house here. And I went, really? And he said, yeah, do you want to live here forever? And I was like, yeah, yeah. sure. <laughs> so my dream and, and backing up when I first came to Bali, my, my, my goal was focus on my music and my books. Didn't know what music, didn't know what books, but I was going to focus on writing and focus on music. And the second thing is I wanted to live where I could see the ocean Ooh. and walk to the beach. And so I ended up building a, a, a custom home on top of the hotel 
which had uh, two guest rooms for an artist, artists and residents and someone else. And I had a full recording studio mm. to do the music. I had an art studio to do the artwork. And then my master bedroom and a beautiful kitchen, big deck. It was the perfect creative space. So that's where we parked it and really uh, started to ref um, refine. I started to refine the book and get it ready for publishing. By the time, and then I finished the place, by the time I was ready to publish, it was actually the same week. I was at the gym. I get a phone call from someone down on the beach and they Ooh. said, there's a huge fire next to your house. Oh my God. And think about it. This book is about happiness. I was publishing the yeah. book on happiness that said happiness is not about material things. Oh my Everything goodness. I had was in that house. And so long story short, the hotel next door caught on fire, caught our hotel and my house on fire, burned everything to the ground. So that was five years ago. That was April 4th, 2017. Yeah. Six years ago. So I was at the gym. I came racing down, ran down the hill. People are like, you can't go down there. It's too, there's, it's too dangerous. And I was like, get out of my way. I wrapped my shirt around my face. I went to the front door of the building and you know, they teach you that if the door's hot, don't, don't it. open it. Well, it wasn't only hot. There were flames coming through the crack oh in the God. door. I couldn't go through the door oh to get in my house. Yeah. So I ran down on the beach, climbed up to the third floor to try and climb into my recording studio, but I couldn't reach because of the overhang. So I'm standing on the railing, ah! trying to grab onto the, to the roof to pull myself up and over, and I couldn't get in. So then I was like, I, my computer with all my books, with everything, my, my recording studio, I didn't care so much about. It was my computer that had all my books, all my music, my hard drive right next to my computer with everything. Nothing's backed up to the cloud then. Right, right. It was all on my hard drive. All I needed to do was get my computer. So, so I was panicked and I started just punching the roof to try and get through. So, and there's actually a video of this on, the, on Instagram. Someone was videoing and I collected video after guy. the fact. And so I'm punching as hard as I can. And finally a piece of the roof broke off and I went, okay, I can do this. And so then I just frantically started punching through the roof. My knuckles were all bloody and I, I actually punched a hole in it and then climbed up and over Stop and it. into the recording. You went studio, into the burning house. Through the fire, through the kitchen. That's like a real then, movie. That's oh, like, was, a, that's a movie scene. You don't think about it then. It was like, you I just want it. You're like, I'm going to get it and I'm going to get out. To me, it was safe. To everybody else, they're like, you're crazy. What have you done? What do you, you, oh, you know? Gosh. So I went to open the, the, I always keep my recording uh, studio locked. So I went to open the door and the door's locked. And I was oh like, the key, the key, where's the key? My and God. I always hide the key in an oven mitt in the kitchen. So I had to go through to the other side of the kitchen, got it out, opened the door, ran in, and my computer was sitting there. I slammed No it fire closed. in that room yet? Not in that room yet, no. But it was coming this way. So I... Uh, so I put it in a backpack that was there on the floor, grabbed it, turned one of my favorite guitars, one of my favorite guitar, a blueberry guitar, custom made guitar was sitting right there. Like, I'm taking that, that baby. Grabbed that. So I had my backpack, my guitar, ran out, ran out to the, to the deck. And I believe it was Rosanna that was down below on the beach. And she's like, throw it down, throw it down. And I'm like, backpack's heavy. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to kill her if face. I throw this off of three floors and yeah. she doesn't catch it, right? And there just happened to be a big tree that we had growing on the beach. And it was a big bushy tree. 
and that hadn't caught on fire yet. So I took the backpack and threw it into the tree to break its fall. That fell down to the beach and I was like, okay, I took my guitar, threw that into the tree. That's on, that's video too. Goes down and then climbed over the side and then spent the rest of the day fighting the fire. And so the ironic thing was that, you know, when I, after I thought about it, I was like, Oh my gosh, the book's unhappiness. Oh my God, the book's unhappiness and happiness is not about material things. I've lost every material thing I had in this fire. So I was like, it could have saved my life because I was like, I can't be hypocritical now. Here I am teaching people about happiness. This is about material things or is not about material things. And if I lose it after losing my material things, I'm just the biggest hypocrite ever. The biggest. So I was like, I have to force myself, force myself. So it was a struggle. It was a real struggle. And then I, I stood there with uh, Papa Juni, who's the landowner and owned the hotel. And we stood out on the reef, arm in arm, watching the whole place burn. And so he said, I can't afford to rebuild. And I said, I'll rebuild the whole thing. I'll, I'll build a beautiful hotel. I don't know how I'll do it, but I'll do it. So that became my, my goal over the next five years. Is, it took me five years to do it. And it was a nightmare every night thinking about how am I going to do this? I didn't know how, but I knew I would. And there's a big lesson there in manifesting because you never know how you're going to do things. Just determined to do it. But just don't give up Mm. one foot in front of the other. Just keep going. Somehow it will work. And then it all came together. And in the end, I had to sell my house in the U.S. to build it. But you know what? I'm all in. This is home. Bali's home. Wow. Oh, I didn't know all of the story. I didn't know all the depths of it. Yeah, I don't talk about it a whole lot. So you saved this beautiful book from Burning Fire. Yeah. Let everything go. This book is about happiness. Yeah. And sure enough, you had to deal with all of your own emotions through five years worth. Yeah. Now you've been building what for the last year? It's Uh, finally done. We started building. I started building right at the beginning of COVID. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was really hard to pull the trigger to build scary. And so right when COVID started, there was a contractor that was just finishing up, sending all of his workers back to Java. And I said, no, bring them over to my place. Let's start. So we just started. And I was just starting with the idea to build one or two floors. And I didn't know how it was going to happen, but I knew it was going to happen somehow. So I just wanted to build one or two, get started. That's another big lesson is just get started. Get started yeah. Once you get started, then more manifesting starts to happen. Mm. And I knew I knew I would do it in the end. Sometimes I have major doubts. Oh my gosh. But uh, and it's been a really crazy uh, emotional and stressful journey. Um, but I also committed to it. You know, just before we started building, I went to India to and did a yoga retreat, not to teach. I did a, a teacher training, 200 hour teacher training. And the whole, the sole purpose of that for me was to learn how to try and stay calm during the building. Cause I know how building is from when I did it before. Yeah. It's so stressful. So I was committed to the process and I wanted the process to be as stress-free as possible, still stressful, but I wanted to really enjoy the journey as well. Same thing with the books. The books to me are not about selling mm. a bunch of books. It's the journey and it's the value that the kids get. And it's the look on the faces 
of the kids mm. when when I sing the songs and the kids all have these I used to take yes yeah, so I used to take glasses. 30 or 50 pair of these glasses and dole them out to all the kids so the kids are all wearing these glasses without lenses I pop the lenses out and they're all sitting there uh, and singing the song and singing the chorus and then chasing me down afterwards there's little Bobby there's little Bobby and it's just so special and I don't have children, so that mm. to me is my safety net almost. Yeah. If I don't have kids, I want to contribute. Life I, lessons. And yeah. each book has a life lesson in it. I mean, I, I so love it too. I, and I'm reading it. It's like, yeah, now knowing that it's all based on a song and it's all these lessons about Bobby and he has this conversation with the moon mm -hmm. and... And that book you're looking at there is on the planets. Yeah, the planets. The lesson in there in that book is has to do with Pluto. Because you know Pluto is no longer considered a planet, yeah, right? right? I didn't know that when I first started writing about the planets, but then I just found out from someone that Pluto no longer exists. And I was like, what do you mean it no longer exists? So the so the whole lesson of that book became just because you're don't not like other people doesn't mean doesn't you don't mean fit in. Yeah. Yeah. So I try and incorporate some kind of really valuable lesson for kids uh, behind the scenes. My goal is, is that, you know, there's so many people that are in their 20s, 30s, 40s, whatever it may be, later in life, after you're a child and adolescent, where we're seeking all these self-help books. Yeah. You know, yeah. I would like to, to somehow have those lessons in the books for children so they learn this stuff in a fun way when they're kids and at least some of these valuable ones that they don't need so much the self-help books as they get older yeah, they learn the happiness peel the onion like let's help them figure it out you yeah. know without having to do all that stuff yeah and it's stressful being a child and that's my contribution to kids mm. if i don't have kids then i will have millions of kids right that's I love it. Thought. So, so what's the so now the voice of the moon with little Bobby is the planets. Yep. And then the next one first is, one is on happiness. Yeah. The second one is on the planets. So it teaches the kids about the planets. The third one is it's probably my favorite story. It's a beautiful story about the oceans, mm. and it's about this whale, Makua the whale, which is Kobe Aberton's son, mm. and that's a whole nother. I was looking for characters. Cool. And I was sitting down the beach and this guy walked by and he had this tattoo of Makua. Yeah. And I went, hey, excuse me. And he said, I didn't know him at the time. And he said, yeah. And I go, that tattoo on your neck, Makua. I go, is that Hawaiian? And he said, yeah. And I said, what's it mean? And he said, Prince of the Ocean. And I go, that's perfect. Can I use that for one of my children's books? And he's like, yeah, dude, whatever. <laughs> sure. So, and then afterwards, after the fire, Kobe actually said, he was the one that said, your family, come, you don't have a place to, where are you going to stay? Come stay with us. Wow. So I got to know Makua and, and the, the family really well. And uh, so Makua became the main character in the Oceans book. It's Makua the Whale. And it's a beautiful story. So then we have the Oceans, Makua the Whale. And then the fourth one is on love. That's about these glasses. And it's basically just teaching kids how to look at the world um, the magical glasses yeah. so kind of they put the glasses on and you see love is basically how and then i teach them through the book that you don't need the glasses to see love in a different perspective so that was a very challenging one to write 
And then uh, the fifth one is about pollution. And that's a cool story, which actually has uh, Rosanna's kids in it. They're all tied to yeah, characters in my life, you kids know? Kids around here, you know? And so that's a beautiful story about kids that lose paradise. It's this beautiful paradise and then they, and they discovered it. They go every year and then they come back one year and it's filled with trash. So what do they do? Nobody knows the answer. And so little Bobby comes and helps them and they go and they start learning how to deal Just with like, it oh, and how they deal with it as they're going on a trail and one village doesn't, uh, they see school kids in the rain and they can't go out in the rain because they don't have raincoats. And they're like, what about the plastic bags? Let's use the plastic bags for raincoats for the kids. So they bring them along. Another village doesn't have water uh, storage for water and there's tons of plastic water bottles. Let's use the plastic water bottles. Another one's they don't have fences for the cows. Let's use the tires to make fences. Mm. So this whole effort goes to clean up this lost paradise. And again, at the end, it turns into paradise. So that's the fifth book. And that is about, it's almost done. I just uh, have to work on the illustrations uh, for that. The cool thing about the magical glasses that I want to mention is, uh, is it the magical, the book on love? Um, what I discovered is that children, 5% of the population of kids are colorblind wow. and nobody knows until the kids are, yeah, you know, a lot of people don't know until the identified. kids are later in life when they go get a job interview, whatever it may be. So what I'm doing with that book is we're actually doing a, um, the illustrations are made in such a way in that book that the child's not going to be able to see certain things. And then the parent will go, what do you mean you don't see that? And so they're actually, it's a diagnosis for colorblindness. Oh, wow. So what I want to try and do is there's a company that makes glasses for colorblind. And if you've seen any of those YouTube videos, it's priceless. People yeah, put their glasses big, on they and see, they, they see, see color for the first time and they're, every time they're crying. So my idea is to some, do a sponsorship and to be able to then get kids glasses. So they first diagnose them and then get them glasses so wow. they can see when they're yeah. coming And then the uh, sixth and seventh book, which is a seven book series. Sixth book, the book is on yoga and teaching kids about yoga. And then the seventh book is about meditation. I just went to Nepal with the idea in mind of how are kids, you know, a lot of kids in those countries, India and Nepal, they just grow up meditating. Mm -hmm. In yeah. the Western world, it's no, not normal. Not normal. So I want to pass that on to the kids about yoga and meditation. So. Awesome. Oh, I love it. I can't wait for more of these to come out because the whole series right now, can they find this now? They can find um, uh, three of them on Amazon. Okay. If you search under Little Bobby or The Voice, Little Bobby is spelled, it's a little tricky, L-I-T-L, so it's Little Bobby. Yeah, Little Bobby, yeah. Uh, but The Voice of the Moon, or my name, Bobby Priest, on Amazon. Uh, yeah, we'll make find sure we put all the, the links then, around because it's really brilliant and there's song to it. It connects to music. And um, I can't wait to finish the whole seven book series yeah. and provide a whole series to people. And Oh, and, it's so uh, cool. Yeah. Uh, thank you for sharing this. I, I now know so much more about you than oh. I even knew before. And um, yeah, I'm just excited for- Thank you for yeah, having for me. Having I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for your, especially like, you know, it's our last day in the studio, and here we are. I've got our neighbor, Bobby Priest, that we've been talking to the last three years about this story. Finally, we do it. Finally, right? <laughs> Thank you, it. Rhonda. Thank you so much for being here. Don't forget to be unstoppable. We'll see you next season.